0: And welcome back to the latest and greatest episode of the Shave of Points podcast. My name is Jayton May. You can find me on Twitter at jmay56. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Quentin Crisco. And we have a very, very, very special guest today, Jake Luke, talking AFC North. How
1: are we doing tonight, boys? I'm doing great. How about how about yourself, Jake? How are you doing tonight? You're doing good, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate you coming on. So why don't we just go ahead and jump right in? On this thing looking at the the ravens roster here so the first thing that kind of stands out to me is the running back room i see a lot of talent some question marks too with the availability stuff so from the ravens perspective like what what are you seeing when you look at this running back
2: yeah i'm seeing something that's pretty unsettled right now and i mean it's been reported and there's been some conflicting reports as to whether jk dobbins is a hold-in i guess you would call it quote unquote you know, playing, but under sort of protest, I guess he would say, of his contract situation. Uh, we've heard at our podcast that he is seeking a new deal. That he he wants to uh, get some sort of bang for his buck here over, before the next few years of his career because he has some misgivings about injuries that he suffered. I don't think he loved the uh, tr- uh, strength and conditioning staff, which received uh, not so rave reviews in a more recent uh, athletic article. Uh, and then obviously uh, he had some issues with Greg Roman and his usage in that offense the last couple of years and. He just feels like it's always kind of been there and it, watching it from a fans and an analyst perspective, you can tell the talent is there. I mean, when he's out there on the field, he is a badass and he's one of the best running back talents in the league, but hasn't been able to stay healthy. And then when he has been healthy, I think he has a fair argument that the usage just hasn't been uh, you know, a very high volume. So it's, it's a weird situation there with him seeking a new contract. Gus Edwards, I'm not as worried about. He's on a pretty manageable contract. They signed him to an extension. Uh, that I think that was a, a good deal for both parties. And he didn't look great last year. He had, I think, maybe one or two fumbles, which is pretty uncharacteristic for him. Uh, and he was still working his way back from that ACL injury. So I expect he'll be a little bit better version of himself. Maybe not quite as good as he was in years past, but I think he'll be a very serviceable player. And then beyond that, man, it's, uh, yeah, it's not a whole lot. I think Justice Hill is still going to be in the mix. who was showing some juice, but has injury issues of his own. And beyond that, uh, really just not a whole lot to get excited about. So it's pretty unsettled to your point. I mean it's only a matter of time before keaton mitchell becomes the dude right no doubt i mean you you gotta think so uh but no i mean like that's that's sort of what you're dealing with and i mean that's kind of what they've been dealing with uh the last couple of years is some you know guy at the end of the roster to come in and uh step in for whether it's dobbins or gus edwards who's been hurt you know they, they had this dalliance with um I'm, for, I'm even forgetting the kid's name at the beginning of 2021 um uh who ha- had some sort of uh you know, breakout game out in Las Vegas in week one and then um, he just sort of fell off the map. He had some issues with the coaching staff behind the scenes it didn't work out and they've just been kind of filtering guys in and out when Dobbins hasn't been healthy, when Edwards hasn't been healthy. Maybe Keaton Mitchell I mean, you know, he has connections with the organization in the past. I think his dad played for them Anthony Mitchell. Uh, So, you know maybe the the coaching staff or the front office uh, likes him from a personal level and that's going to help him work his way. If not the P squad, then maybe even the 53 man if guys aren't healthy. So
0: yeah. So my question on this is with Greg Roman out the door. How do you see this offense going? They brought in uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Rashard Bateman starting to come into his own now. He has flowers there. Then Mark Andrews also one of the best tight ends in the league. And you have a uh, unanimous know, MVP in Lamar Jackson. Do you see the, Do you see this team starting to push the ball downfield now? Or do you think it's still going to be run heavy? harbaugh loves to run the ball so i mean but he's also a defensive guy or special teams guy technically but where where do you where do you see this offense going this year like you said i mean i, th- I think dobbins is absolutely incredible and as a running back you got to get paid when you have the ability to get paid because most of the time like guys by the by the time they're supposed to get paid they're on they're on the downhill.
2: So it's like, you can't really fall them there. Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, I, I as far as where I see them going, I see them going a lot faster is the thing. Like Greg Roman, he had a, a really awesome run scheme, a legendary run scheme that, you know, when you talk to very well-informed X's and O's people around the league, including people like Peyton Manning say, this guy's a great guy. He's got a great run, uh, you know, coordination scheme and everything like that. It's just that the passing scheme was a little bit vanilla, I think is sort of the general complaint. And I think it holds some water. And then just the procedural issues with Roman were really where I had started to kind of fall off the bandwagon there at the end. And I was a defender of his for a long time. But it just over and over last year and the year before, and probably even before that when they were playing better and they were healthier, just issues with pace and issues with getting to the line before, uh, you know, the play clock ran out. Just very basic procedural stuff that you should have nailed down in August and, you know, September at the very worst. They, they, They were plaguing them deep into the season last year. And I, I just think that was a, an issue with verbiage. I think his you know play calls were too long. Uh, I think it was a little too overcomplicated. I think he just tried to outthink himself a little bit or overthink things too often. I think Todd Monken is gonna come in. He's gonna bring a lot of energy. He's gonna bring a lot of emphasis on pace. We've already been hearing about that uh, with reports out of uh, early camps that they have going on, mini camp and stuff like that. So I think uh, it's just gonna be an offense. It's gonna be a lot faster. It's gonna be a lot crisper. I think to your point, They probably are going to try and push the ball downfield a little bit. I don't think they had an issue with throwing deep necessarily at times under Roman. But when they didn't have a a Marquise Brown last year, for instance, they didn't have that deep threat to be able to do that. So now you have a Beckham in-house. He's got some pace to him. Uh, Now you have a Nelson Aguilar in-house. Now you have Zay Flowers in-house. These guys all have the speed to be able to push the ball downfield. And we were talking before we got going here, Lamar Jackson has the arm to make that happen, and he has the uh, football acumen to put the ball where it needs to be. So I'm expecting just a much improved all-around offense. Yeah, I
0: definitely know where you're coming from with Greg Roman because as a Cowboys fan of Kellen Moore, it was not the the same reasons, but like a guy that you really like that for some reason, like the, the flow always seemed off or like he would call a really good game until he wouldn't. And then when he wouldn't call a good game, it was very, very apparent. I know like I loved Kellen Moore until I didn't. So I definitely get that idea of thinking.
1: I like to uh tell Pete, whenever I meet a Ravens fan, I tell them, Well, be careful, I'm I'm a Greg Roman truther. So <laughs> So on the on the wide receiver front, OBJ is outstanding, right? I mean, he is a hell of a football player. I don't there's we any think. question about that. Do you have any concerns like that yet he, he hasn't played in over a season and do you think there's any worries around that or how is he kind of coming along in camp is it looking like stuff's going good or is it kind of up in the air like he's sitting out still and stuff like that
2: Yeah, they're still kind of slowly working him in. He wasn't there for the OTAs back in May, uh whatever that was, and then he did show up for mini camp. Uh and then <laughs> he didn't participate a ton in mini camp. He apparently ate some bad fish. Uh, one night so like he couldn't get out there like he was kind of sick and they're just I think they're taking it all sorts of slowly and all sorts of carefully with this guy because they've... I use that excuse all the time to get out of work do what? I use that excuse all the time to get out of work. Oh dude yeah same and maybe that's what it was like, <laughs> and it's funny like I actually uh, I don't know how it came up but I tweeted like Odell like tweeted something about boxed wine and then I kind of tweeted this joke about like how boxed wine is actually pretty good and we should hang out and slap the bag together and he actually replied to that tweet and like so I have a date with him to you know, drink some boxed wine. And so maybe that's what that was okay, comment <laughs> on that. But no, yeah, he, he's like missed most of the uh, time. I think whether it was um, precautionary stuff or whether it was something where he was like sick and he couldn't get out there. So not a ton of on field stuff, but it's all, you know, pretty positive. He's really connecting with the city in a way that uh, I think it's cool to see for a guy who's like super high profile and kind of flashy. Like I never would have expected him to come to Baltimore. Like I would have thought that he would have wanted to close out his career in like a like a Los Angeles where he had already been or maybe go back to a New York or go to a Dallas where, you know, things are a little bit flashier and he can like get noticed going into nightclubs and steakhouses and stuff like that. Like there's, you know, Baltimore, I love it, but it's not quite, it doesn't have the glitz and the glamour, but he showed up here. He went out to the Preakness and he did the Riders Up call and he's wearing the Orioles City Connect hat and stuff like that. He's really connecting in a way that I'm very pleasantly surprised to see because I thought like nothing against him on a personal level i just thought he you know wouldn't have come here for maybe one of the bigger bright bigger lights yeah exactly he's he's kind of that flashy type of guy but i don't know i mean it's only a one-year deal but maybe he's coming here on that one-year deal to see if this is a place where he could spend the last couple years of his career right
0: yeah i will say that it's not a one-for-one comparison because i mean i i don't want to get this misconstrued but lamar jackson is a lot like kyrie irving in the fact that I feel like everybody that is around him and plays with him absolutely loves him and then the people on the outside are like why would you ever want to play with that guy but you ask any nba player and they're always like "Oh, my favorite players carry
2: no i think that's that's you're on to something and it's you're right that it's not one-to-one but there is just there's some oddities and some quirks with lamar that you know it, there's stuff that you hear behind the scenes and then there's stuff that's like very apparent like how kind of How kind of funny he is on social media in just an absolute, like, I don't give a bleep way. Like he, he just doesn't really care. Like he's just kind of doing his own thing.
0: I wasn't trying to like compare their personalities more so as their play on the field. You hear it all the time. Like, oh, NBA players saying Kyrie is the best player in the league. But on the outside, the, the people talking about it, the, the talking heads are always just like, oh, Kyrie's a cancer. He's going to kill your team. Yeah, no doubt. And Lamar kind of, he not. Not the same arguments, but a lot of people are like, oh, Lamar is one-dimensional. Why would any premier wide receiver want to play there type deal? And then like when Marquise Brown left, not saying he's a premier guy, but he had nothing but praise for Lamar. And then
1: you get Odell Beckham coming in, who's one of the biggest names in free agency. So it's like... Baltimore has a bit of a history with getting some really high-end receivers in the last few years of their career i feel like with, between like anquan bolden and steve smith like they, they had a few guys Derek mason yeah really i mean of, that's
2: that's been Ozzie. Yeah. news that was Ozzie newsom's move starting with derrick mason um in 2005. steve and, smith
0: was so
2: underrated as a raven he was yeah he had a,
0: like had a people really people like yeah
1: hold it i mean people bolden forget how good was he was in baltimore room. yeah for sure let's let's just keep it moving here on the looking at the offensive line so Ronnie Stanley's back fully healthy, right? Like that's that that's all good. And one of my favorite tackles in the league. Dude's an outstanding football player. Morgan Moses is like the model of consistency in this league. He doesn't miss games. He just keeps going out and doing a above-average job year in, year out. Behind that, and this is just real quick, this is just more my curiosity than anything. Do you think Daniel Falele has a future in this league, or is he kind of just like riding the pine at this point? It's interesting. I mean, he got some action
2: last year uh, because Stanley, he is healthy, you're right, and um, he played most of last year, but there were games last year where he had some issues, and they had such a weird, like, kind of thing going on with the offensive line where Moses had to stay at right tackle, so they put Philele at left tackle. Like, I think a Patriots game where they went and won by, like, 42 to, like, 30 or something, and Lamar had five touchdowns. I think Philele played like half that game at left tackle in, like, the third or fourth game of his career. And, like, he looks solid, but he's just very, like, very upright, a little bit stiff. I mean, he's like 6'9, almost 400 pounds or whatever. He probably obviously had to shed some of that to play NFL tackle, but that's a big learning curve. And then obviously, he was in a Greg Roman offense where the, you know, you're, it's kind of your best friend as an offensive line. You can get down the field the run game and have fun and all that kind of stuff, but it's going to be a little bit more refined at and It's going to be dropping back a little bit more, I think. And, there's going to be more, or not more, but there's going to be a similar amount of 11 personnel, I think. So maybe he'll have some tight ends in there to help him acclimate if he does need to get into action. But now you're hearing these reports out of camp that they're trying him out at guard and everything, which I don't necessarily love that for a young developmental tackle who you're hoping was going to be a tackle. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. He's still kind of just a developmental piece right now, and they do this a lot with guys, whether it's on the offensive line, the defensive line, or just somewhere else on defense. Like They'll just pick guys on day three. And just be all sorts of patient with them and then in their last year, maybe they'll kind of pop and turn into something, then go get a contract from somebody else. So it could happen with Philele, but I mean he's uh you know, he's got all the physical traits to at least be something, I think. I think he's gonna hang around rosters for all of his career.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. You feel like you always see those guys that size who are just that they're always ended up on rosters somewhere. Yeah. Man, they actually they drafted one of my favorite sleepers this year, offensive tackle, uh Malasela, Amve. Lawu, he's, he's, look, he's looking good that, out there. But... Apparently he's he's getting some run already. So they, they're like he was an awesome watch at Oregon. Like I, I watched a bunch of tape on him before the draft. He was he was fun. On the interior, I got I got two questions for you. And neither of them have to do with Kevin Zietler because he is just rock solid. My first one is Tyler Linderbaum. So and I haven't watched a ton of the, the Ravens tape on him since he entered the league, but so I'm working off numbers here. PFF stats that I've got, and they're telling me that he has struggled with pass blocking. So my first question is, how do you feel about his, his pass blocking? Has it held up, or has it been more like um, he's a really good run blocker, but not maybe not so much in the pass protection? And then my second question is, who's starting at left guard? Is it John Simpson or Ben Cleveland? And why do you think? that's the right or wrong decision.
2: Yeah. I like I, when you're talking about Linderbaum, I think he was pretty much as advertised for what you would think he would be as a rookie. And I think he's going to continue to develop and probably become just one of these perennial all pro Iowa offensive linemen that, uh, you know, the Ravens seems to like going back with the Marshall Yonda. I think that comparison was sort of beat to death a little bit, especially because they play different positions, but you know, he did, uh, he's six one guys. I mean, you know, he's kind of small for a center and that's, gonna get him into some trouble against some of the bigger d tackles and he did struggle against some of those guys you know the steelers have some nasty players along their d line i think he struggled with some of them in certain spots and then the Bengals obviously have guys that that can rip and roar up front and i think he struggled with those guys too so there's specific matchups where he's going to struggle but he's just an all-around really good player maybe comparable to like a kelsey or stuff just gets miles downfield in the run game really fun to watch and just a you know it's a lot of the things that you can't really quantify all the work that he's doing, the type of kid that he is, I just think he's going to be a really special player. You did just sort of see the growing pains in year one, and I think the size is something that maybe you aren't going to be able to grow out of, but maybe he'll find a way to manage it. Left guard, I mean, that's really the one spot that is pretty unsettled. And I mean, Ben Cleveland, man, it's, it's been a struggle. Like They pick him in the third round, and he's coming out of Georgia, a very high-profile school. It just seemed like the stars were aligning for him to maybe even take that spot as a rookie at some point, and it just hasn't happened uh, there's been injury issues, there's been conditioning issues, there's been attitude issues, and apparently, like listening to the people that are plugged in, it seems like that's still continuing into this training camp, and I mean, you just can't freaking have that, man. When you're a couple years into your career and you've got an opportunity like this, you've got to go out and snatch it. you got to take this seriously, and it sounds like he isn't, and I mean, Simpson is getting some run, and listening to the people that are there every day and plugged in, it sounds like he's doing a decent enough job with it. He's doing what you would expect John Simpson in 2023 to do with it, which is not to say that he's going to be an all-pro, but maybe he's going to slot in there and be the starter because it doesn't seem like Cleveland is taking the most of the uh, opportunities being given so far.
0: Uh, I like what you said about Linderbaum too. And then... No, I like Linderbaum coming out. and uh, Yeah, he's a road grader. got to work on it a little bit. Looking at this defense, stack, back five. Front seven, I love Patrick Quinn, love Roquan Smith. I mean, where, where are we going to get pressure on the quarterback uh, with, with this with this defense plan
2: it's tough man i mean you're counting on david ojabo to take a leap and he did actually have a strip sack in one of the few games that he played last year which was really cool to see with that achilles injury that he was coming off of so you're counting on him to be a guy pretty much from day one as this roster currently stands i don't know if that's a great strategy or one that i love you're counting on odafe away becoming a productive player which he's been solid but he has not been nearly as productive in the pass rushing department as he would have wanted a first round pick outside linebacker to be you need a step from him or you're going to have to sign a guy. You're going to have to sign a Jadavian Clowney, or you're going to have to bring back a Justin Houston. And I'm probably more in favor of the latter at this point because Houston knows the defense. Uh, I mean, it was a new defense last year under Mike McDonald, but, you know, he played really well in that defense. He looked like he turned back the clock in certain stretches throughout the year. So I'd be fine with bringing him back. And, yeah, man, it's, it's definitely counting on a little, bit of, uh, a little bit of guys playing up above their potential, whether it's a um, – you know a, a Roger washington or a michael pierce here who we have pictured and pierce is going to have to be healthy this year and everything obviously uh or you know maybe a justin matabike who is another guy who they picked in the second round a couple years ago it's looked pretty good at times but also just been completely quiet during stretches like they just need one guy to get a really consistent good pass rushing season out of where they just go and get 13 sacks and like you're just you're not worried about them for long stretches they just haven't had that And uh, I don't know if that is going to be an Ojabo or a Matabike finally as he's approaching a a contract situation. Um, But they are certainly going to need it. And they do need more depth here, I think. Whether it is going to be Virginia Clowney or you just bring back the familiarity of adjusted Houston.
0: I will say I'm a big fan of Broderick Washington.
2: Yeah, I bet. Uh, (laughs) I mean, like, you pick a defensive guy out of Texas Tech and it's like in the fifth round and it's like, okay, like, I don't really know what we're doing there, but I'll allow it. And then, you know, he's he's been – he had, like, an a weird, like, off-the-field incident a couple years ago. It wasn't, like, bad or terrible or anything, but it kind of just went away. And, like, since then, he's just been quietly, like, pretty solid on the defensive line. I think he's got well, a couple sacks and, like, looked pretty solid. A, de-
0: a defensive Texas Tech player is about to win uh Defensive Rookie
1: of the Year this year. So, okay, watch out for that Tech defense. All right. I'm watching out. So, one guy I can't speak on your D line. I mean, he's not going to become that 13 sack guy you're looking for, but Angelo Blackson, I feel like in a rotation, can be really, can be a really solid producer on a D line. Watching him in Chicago the last few years, last year, maybe not so much, but two years ago, he impressed me at times, like where, where it was like he could be that guy who got upfield and got after the passer. When I looked at this front, this uh, pass rush, basically, I was like, well, Ojavo's got to be the guy here right? Like, it's either that or uh, Matabuke's got to take another step, and I don't know that much about Matabuke and how he's played, but it sounds like you said it's been flashes, but not a consistent dominant presence or that.
2: Yeah, I've talked to you about my, we were talking about my co-host Spencer, and it's funny because, like, he, he makes, or he's made, like, sort of the, uh, OK, like, don't take this super seriously, but there's some Aaron Donald to his game at times. And so I kind of bust his balls about that. And I like bring that up. Never like how to be gay has a big moment. But in all seriousness, he has stretches of like really strong play. He just goes quiet for games at a time. You just can't have that in 2023. You need to have consistent pass rush. You need to be able to disrupt the quarterback a little bit. I mean, and it's funny because, you know, quarterbacks are more elusive than ever. They can navigate the pocket better than ever. It's just kind of street ball out there. So you need guys that have the authority to bring these quarterbacks down, to corral them and just bring them down and just say, like, no, you're not getting away from me this time, especially with the Mahomes in the league and all these guys that can move around and have the strength. Like, you just, you need a dominating presence. And if they don't have it as things currently stand. Hopefully, it uh, reveals itself
1: throughout the season. How would you describe the the Ravens like pass rush? Is it pretty multiple and versatile and like you don't know where it's coming from? Or is it more like, your set, you know your job, and you just gotta go beat your man or something in between?
2: I'm not the biggest Exos in those guys, but it was very like it was very multiple under Wink Martindale when he was here. There was a lot of just creating chaos, overloading one side, doing a lot of blitzing with Patrick Queen, doing a lot of blitzing with safeties and just just complete like just no regard and I mean you guys saw this when they went and played the Bears in 2021 and you know you have freaking Marquise Goodwin one-on-one against uh who is that Chris Westry at cornerback Andy Dalton just heaves up like a, a Hail Mary and you guys almost win that game and like that was I think a fourth and 11 and it was because Wink had just sent everybody zero blitz and he just didn't have any regard he was just a swashbuckling kind of guy and that was great it worked out very well at certain points but they just needed to rein that in so you know they fire him they bring in mike mcdonald who's kind of this young hotshot type of guy but the funny thing about that is like he does tend to play things a little more conservatively it's a lot more base just bringing the four guys and letting guys drop back and sort of do their things and coverage a little bit more and i think that simplified things for guys on the back end especially as the season went along and they started to learn the defense a little bit more where kyle hamilton can settle into his role as a rookie a little bit better and uh it's a little bit just less pressure all around so I don't know. I think um, it's yeah. To to your point, it's a little bit more base. It's a little bit more just drop guys and let people take care of their responsibilities as opposed to trying to just confuse the hell out of the opposing offense. Absolutely. Looking at this team top to bottom, So Vegas got them at nine and a half
0: wins. Playoffs minus one hundred and fifty. Division at plus two hundred and forty. AFC champ- Championship plus eleven hundred. Super Bowl at plus two thousand. As a Ravens fan. I don't know if you're a betting man or not, but that's kind of the, what we do here. But what, what's your favorite bet here? Do you do you like the over/under? Do you like the the playoffs minus one hundred and fifty, pretty close to even money? Division at plus two hundred and forty. If you're making a bet, what are you
2: what are you looking at here? Yeah, I mean, I might just go ahead and parlay that playoffs and over nine and a half wins. Like I just feel like with this way this roster is constructed, like you should win ten games, and I think John Harbaugh has a pedigree to do that. Lamar has a pedigree to do that. If you win ten games you probably getting in the playoffs. It's a tough division though, man. I mean, you got the Bengals who I think are probably going to be the deserved favorite to go and win this thing and then Steelers are always competitive. I'm not super sold on um on Kenny Pickett quite yet, but you know, he had some promising moments last season, and it's the Steelers, so of course he's going to turn into a guy, and we're going to have to deal with him for the next 20 years. But you got that going on. And then the Brownies, man, I mean, they got a little bit of a roster there, and Stefanski is a solid coach, I think. So they're going to be – I'm I'm interested to see what the Browns. Do. Yeah, they're going to be competitive too. You're not just going to moonwalk your way to 10 wins, but I think you should be able to do it, and that should get you the playoff. You like over nine and a half,
0: and you like playoffs. We'll we'll call that even money, parlaying that together. Sure. You're probably pretty close to it.
1: I got one more question for you on the defense. As, a, as an outsider, again, who hasn't watched that much of the Ravens tape, how did they use Kyle Hamilton last year? And how do you think they're going to use him this year the same way or different? People were calling
2: him the tight end eliminator last year. He was kind of just a slot man generally. And he would just line up man to man against some very good tight ends. And he would just say, hey, I'm 6'4". And I got the frame of a pterodactyl and you're not going to go anywhere. And it worked out pretty well. Uh, it sounds like they're now moving him to more of a traditional safety role and so like when you watch him at notre dame it was a little bit more of a uh, hybrid free safety where he'd be playing over the top a lot and then uh he, you know he would come down and do some strong safety type stuff but yeah man it sounds like they're moving him back into a little bit more of a traditional role and i do expect it to be kind of more of a strong safety box safety type look because they've got marcus williams which a lot of people forget is an awesome free safety he just hasn't been able to stay healthy or at least he didn't last year i mean he started out the year with like four interceptions through like five games or something like that. Then he yeah, got his numbers were still great. Yeah, his numbers were awesome. He came back and you know he had another interception late in the year, just a very like a key player for them. So going to need him to stay healthy and then maybe a little bit more of a traditional role for Hamilton. But I do think they're gonna they are gonna like him a lot in some of these man to man matchups with tight ends, especially when the field gets shorter because because he's so big and he's got such length uh, that you know he he can be used in a lot of different ways and it's really exciting. Are they gonna win overseas? they play Tennessee I think so I think the last time when they went to uh London and they played Jacksonville and got absolutely smoked I just think that has stayed with them for a long time I think John Harbaugh called it the worst loss in the history of the Ravens which is funny because you know he's only been (laughs) here for half their existence and there were a lot of bad losses before him but man that was a freaking brutal one and uh it's
0: crazy that he's been there that long
2: yeah no it is I mean yeah he's been here a long time um and he's you know he's had a lot of great wins and a lot of bad losses that is certainly among one of the worst and i think he's going to have those guys dialed in and ready to go beat the titans who they do not very much like on paper should should be able to have yeah i mean if it's like will levis running out there or like malik willis for some reason is going to be starting like i'm not super scared of that like i I don't know like if tannehill is going to even be there i have a like conspiracy theory that the falcons have been loading up
1: to then go and you know trade for tannehill during training (laughs) camp so we'll see what happens with that but yeah From the gambling standpoint, like one of my favorite things to watch for is when I can get Harbaugh as a dog. Like, it's just it's a great bet. It almost always is. But what's the opposite of that for Harbaugh? Like, what what are the games that like drive you nuts with him? Shouldn't have bet that if you're a betting man. Or like, why did he do that? Like, what's the what's the ones that I got to watch out for? Dude, it's like if you've watched the Steelers and
2: Mike Tomlin, he is the exact same coach as Mike Tomlin, where you have the games where everyone in the national media is against them and they've got all this bulletin board material. And then they go in there and well, they, they play surprise play the Chiefs, everyone. the Bengals, and, yeah. the
0: time and all that. Yeah,
2: right. And they go in there and they ride the emotional wave and they surprise, they shock the world. And there's all these like great videos and sound bites of the locker room and them dancing together and like, you know, quoting Bible verses and, and stuff. And then, you know, they have the games where they're a favorite and they should go in and beat some like, crappy I don't know AFC team or just some random NFC team on just like a 1 p.m on a Sunday and they just go out there and they just lay an egg so I mean it's definitely like the spots where you least expect it is where he bites you but I don't know for for all the good that he does you you certainly take the uh the bad with the good there but yeah that's uh, I would say like if you have a feeling about a random team coming into Baltimore or just you know playing Baltimore at home in kind of a weird spot where they're you're looking at a uh, pretty good value and you like it a lot i would say go with that like you know the dolphins lost last year is a great example or like the, the dolphins the
1: year before that was a great example where they go into miami i think Thursday i lost day? money on both yeah <laughs> I, know, I know i lost money on both of those yeah. I think were- right and it's funny like the, it's just these totally
2: random spots where it's like they're rolling they're doing really well it's like you know jaguars last year was another one and you know jaguars wound up being a very good team but that was just another one where it's like, Oh yeah, Ravens, they got this one. Let's just see. when when you find yourself going past them on the board that week
1: and you're like, I don't even need to think about that one. That's when you should think about That's
0: that. the one you gotta worry about. Yeah.
1: Looking at the schedule, what are the games that you're circling I am gonna be like ready? With all my snacks, my beers. Nothing is getting in the way of me watching this game.
2: I think Houston, that's gonna be like a little bit of a coordination. That's gonna be a fun week one game. I'm always juiced up for week one and it's gonna be at home. So you mentioned getting the popcorn. Don't sleep on them Texans. Okay. Uh, Yeah, but I'm gonna, you know, it's in Baltimore. It's week one. I'm gonna, it's the weather's still gonna be nice. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be in that, in that B word and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be having a couple beers and we're gonna, (laughs) we're gonna have some hot dogs and that's gonna be a good day. That's gonna be a fun one. I, I always love week one. Um, at at Jacksonville that's looking like a popcorn and you know crack a couple beers and don't miss that one game uh they don't they don't have a lot of primetime games this year which I like uh as a podcaster and as a guy who's getting up into my late 20s now and you know to what we were talking about (laughs) earlier has to get up for work uh so you know it's nice to see but yeah division games always win the AFC North you're always kind of getting ready for those but I mean Cincinnati like those two games, no matter what, and especially that first game, like you got to go out there and set a tone and say, Hey, we are tired of you guys running this division. You know, we're just as worthy as you looking at our, you got to show up. Week two. Yeah, exactly. Got to show up. Got to show up. And so, yeah, go out there in week two. And, you know, I, I expect them to dispatch of Houston pretty easily to my point. So yeah, that'll be the one that I circle and say like, Hey guys, like, are you a threat for this division? And obviously there will be a lot of, a lot of time to go and prove that after the fact, but it would just be a nice tone setter for them to go out there and, if not beat the Bengals and play the Bengals to your absolute best so
0: assuming everybody says healthy which we we have to do yeah that that week two going to sensi that that feels like about as much of a must
1: win as you can get if you're if you want to get that division yeah no doubt aside from a must win standpoint like just from a listen to the heart standpoint what's the one team in the division this is, this is a tightly contested division every year very heated very like rivalry centric what's the one team that you're just like i just want to beat them without any any implications as far as like standings going? do you guys uh do you guys follow soccer at all no a, a little bit but not Do you have it do
2: you have an understanding of like in soccer there are rivalries that go back like 150 years and like fan bases literally don't even understand why they hate each other that's how it is with the Steelers. like and like people and like people on a national perspective it's not the rivalry isn't what it used to be but like Last year, dude, when they went into Pittsburgh, and they started Huntley, and then Huntley got hurt, and Anthony Brown comes in, you know, out of Oregon, and he's, like, handing the ball off, and they're going on this crazy, what was effectively, like, a game-clinching drive, just running the ball right down their throat. And then Calais Campbell is like, grabbing the terrible towel, and he's, like, whipping it at the crowd, and he's just, like, firing <laughs> the whole sideline up while Renegade is playing. That was one of the coolest moments that, you know, I've had as a fan in a while, and Ultimately, it's an inconsequential season where they lose a wild card game, but I'm going to remember that one for a long time. And that really reminded me, like, I respect the hell out of the Steelers. The Ravens built themselves after the Steelers model, and it's worked very well. But, uh, yeah, it's just a a mutual hatred slash respect type rivalry, and it's never going to go away for us. So that's that's the team that I always want to beat.
0: The game I'm looking forward to here as far as fireworks, electricity, just fun. I don't know what time it is, but the Detroit game, one of the most exciting games of the season i think in my opinion
2: yeah no doubt i think that'll be a fun one i think um detroit is just like they're and it's funny they're i um, love detroit yeah they're building themselves kind of after that same model where it's like we just want to contend every season we want to contend in every game like you know we're we're done with this rebuilding thing and whether it's going to be jared Goff or hendon hooker or whatever the heck happens at quarterback by that point in the season like they'll be competitive i think dan campbell He's the, the kneecap lighter, and I think um, you know he, he's going to be competitive in pretty much any game he's in. So yeah, that'll that'll be a fun one for sure.
0: We, we don't we don't
1: we don't pay Jared Goff the podcast. Go. Okay. <laughs>
2: All right, listen, I got <laughs> nothing except for, what, that except, for, <laughs> except
1: for what I'm pushing up against it being good. <laughs> I was a
2: big I was a big Jared Goff guy when he first came <laughs> to the league. I thought that you know I was early on the Sean McVay is going to turn this guy into something, and then he did, and then
0: it went away. My, my thing about Jared Goff is. I'm not argue I never argue that he's great. I just argue that he's not as bad as people make him out
2: to be. Dude, I mean like if you go and watch that playoff run that they went on like in that Saints game, obviously they got away with one there, but he was making some throws in that game in the face of pressure that like you oh, He's got an incredible arm. Yeah, you don't see from guys. Like he had guys in his face, he's completing these little flip passes, he's completing like, you know, deep shots down the field. He's got a good arm. He knows where to place the ball. He's used a little immobile and you know, there, there's maybe some processing issues, but yeah, he's he's not nearly as bad as people have made him out.
0: Yeah, my biggest thing is that people act like he's not good, and I'm
1: like, he's he's fine. Yeah,
2: he's he's Shaw been McVay he's been fine for the, the propaganda lines. machine.
1: Sean yeah. McVay turned on the propaganda machine, and then it all just like went downhill.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. Well, you got anything else, Q? No, I'm good. Thank you for coming on, Jake. We really appreciate it. A yes, good time talking you, Ravens man. with you.
2: Yeah, no, thanks for having yeah.
0: me, boys. It was a fun chat. Big big time Lamar fans here, so we we like that. We're rooting for you. We appreciate it. Yes, sir. All right, man. You take it easy. Thank you for coming on.
2: Absolutely, guys. Let's do it again soon. Absolutely. Right. See ya. Have a good one.
0: Moving on to the Pittsburgh Steelers with Oh, he's waving the towel. He's 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 a half Steeler. His in-laws are Steelers fans.
1: I like everything about this Steelers team except the quarterback. Yeah, so I actually I have some beef with this roster. I'm I'm rooting for Steel Man, like because my wife's a Steelers fan. Of course, for them to degree. When I when I was doing some research on this, and I was I was really digging in on Kenny Pickett. His numbers, his advanced stats are actually fairly promising. I don't think it matches what I what you see on the tape. And the more you dig into it, the more you kind of find he does not throw downfield all that accurate. He is one of, since I think 2012, there've been eight quarterbacks who were below the threshold of accuracy beyond 10 yards from the line of scrimmage. And it's not a good list and he's on it. Moral of the story is not that accurate downfield. But then you take a look at this roster and you think about what the, what, what the offensive coordinator wants to do. Matt Canada, right? It's a lot of RPO, a lot of quick hitting stuff. This was the worst team in the NFL for yards after catch last year, by far the worst. They they averaged four yards after catch per reception. The next closest was four and a half and then like 4.6, 4.6, 4.7. But they were a full half yard behind the 31st team, which that was a large gap. And so you go at Allen Robinson, that's not really helping you. You have a wide receiver room built to go up and get it football. While you're trying to play yard after catch, which is just, it doesn't, doesn't add up to me, especially with a quarterback who is not that accurate downfield. This roster, it's not the greatest in the world, but the wide receiver room solid. O line wasn't good, but it wasn't those Raiders.
0: I think Pickens, Johnson and Robinson, not a bad three, honestly, with Burmuth at the tight end. Like you you got, you got some studs there. And then Mm. My biggest thing with this offense outside of quarterback is I don't think Najee Harris is as good as everybody says he is. Just watching it,
1: I, I don't see it. It's another thing where their offense just doesn't add up to me. Like Najee Harris, he's a 240-pound back. You know, he is he is not a guy who's going to be doing a lot after a catch, after contact. Like, he'll break tackles, but he's not getting that many yards after tackle, you know? It's like broken tackles are a lot cooler looking than they are helpful like kind of thing. He is, it's been inefficient for him. I, I think he's a really good receiver out of the backfield, but they want to run inside zone with him and they don't run him to the edges. So you think about it, a 240 pound back who can't get a matchup with a cornerback. Isn't all that value, right? Because like if he's getting tackled by 240 to 300 pound guys, doesn't have that advantage. So I'd really like to see their offense try to get him on the edges more this year. and Maybe that was the offensive tackle problems that they think they might have fixed with going and getting Broderick Jones, but it's just odd to me that they, they didn't try to get him on the edges where his size really makes a difference, right?
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they do it there, but looking at the defense, TJ Watt might be the best defense player in the league. On edge from there, and then their entire a line is just studs. They got Mika Fitzpatrick in the secondary. They brought in Joey Porter Jr. in the draft. They brought in Patrick Peterson, who had a pretty good year last year in
1: the the twilight of his career. So Pat Pete, like you're you're pairing up with Mike Tomlin, who's a DB coach at heart. He's going to put him in i think pat pete has limitations at this point in his career he's with the coach who's going to know those limitations and know how to squeeze the the last last bits of productiveness out of him that he Absolutely. can by putting him in those positions and this might be the best d-line in the nfl yeah this is so. stacked so when i was first looking at it, it was like yeah cam hayward he's a, he's a no he's a number one d-line he is an absolute monster larry ogan Joby probably want him out more of a rotation but he can start for you okay but then you went nag Keanu Benton. Now, Okanjobi doesn't even have to be your star. He can be that rotational guy exactly where he should be. Armand Watts, another good rotational guy. I mean, and then they have a few other guys here in Fajoco, Montrevious Adams, DeMarvin Leal. I mean, they, they, they just have such good depth on the interior, which is hard. It is hard to find these interior players to have this much depth. It's just, it's very impressive. And then TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith had what like something like 14 or 15 sacks last year surprisingly like but I don't think there was a drop-off when Watt was gone and they were blitzing a lot more and a lot less effectively Highsmith is best working off Watt but adding Marcus Golden to that too there is just a lot of quality pass yeah
0: no I love this defense here I I, I love the offense outside of quarterback and I don't think Najee's is a bad running By any means, I just I just yeah. don't think. I don't I
1: don't think he has earned the respect that he gets. I, and I think this O line is going to be a lot better. I think Broderick Jones is going to take his lumps. He's very raw, but he is a special athlete. If he can put it together, also it puts Dan Moore at the swing tackle spot, which is where he probably should be. That's a really good swing tackle. It's not a good starter, but it's a really good swing tackle. I think it's even a like a below average starter. Um, and Chooks Corifor, he's had some nice moments, but he's been up and down his whole career. So we'll see what he has there. But this the interior. This interior is good. This is a good interior. I
0: agree. And then uh, looking at the the Vegas odds here, we're at uh, one total of eight and a half playoffs at plus one thirty. Division at plus 450, Super Bowl or AFC Championship at plus 2200, and Super Bowl at plus 5000. I'm probably not touching any of these, but if I had to touch anything, like if you made me bet on something, I'm I like under on the wins, except that Mike Tomlin just always has a winning season. They won nine last year. I think they got better. (laughs) Looking at the schedule, it's it's brutal. Like, starting out with San Francisco, then having Cleveland come in and then going to the Rams, going to Houston. I think Houston's gonna be frisky than having Baltimore and in a very, very early bye, going as see you come off here by uh Rams, Jacksonville, Tennessee, Green Bay, Cleveland,
1: Cincinnati. Like that's tough. So early in the season, I think I like those first five weeks, I, I think I might be betting against the Steelers a fair amount. Just because well oh, yeah I mean, and I have a very distinct reason for that. You have what three new starters in your secondary, four new starters in your secondary between Neil and Pat Pete and Shannon Sullivan. And I'm assuming Joey Porter Jr. is going to be starting. And I think Joey Porter Jr. like, I think he's going to be a good player in this league, but I think it's going to take five or six weeks for him to realize that he is going to be a penalty machine if he doesn't change his.
0: I will say, getting San Francisco week one with an unknown quarterback may help them, but I mean they just run the ball so damn well, and they play, they just play good football. That maybe that's week not one, an advantage. That's,
1: that's going to be like sixteen to twelve, just like flood bath.
0: Yeah, I like the under in that game for sure. But then Cleveland week two, Deshaun Watson having a full training camp and everything, and everything that we get going on over there in Cleveland. So it's gonna be tough. Yeah, I mean, gun
1: to my head, I'm taking playoffs. I mean, plus money. I, I want the plus money, and I think there's so
0: many. I, I think there's too many teams in the AFC.
1: I do too, but I think this may this this defense and the rest of this roster outside quarterback. Like I, watching some some of the Steelers' offense today, George Pickens might be that dude. He made Kenny Pickett look really good on some of those. All right, so you're taking playoffs. I'm taking under. You want to go on the next? Team? I'm the Kenny Pickett front, real quick. I just. He does some stuff as a quarterback that you see is impressive mental stuff. You see like the way that he is deducting stuff pre-snap and the way that he is he's reading the field and making decisions based off what he's seeing, what he's seeing change at the snap. He does show some of that stuff. My hesitation with him is really I just don't see enough zip on the football and that that really skid, like when he is going from one hash across the field to the sideline, it's just that ball feels like it's in the air forever, and that's what really worries me with him. But the mental side, it does seem like he has it. So in true Steelers fashion, they might just stick with this guy for four years and let him keep getting like a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. And before you know it, he's like Derek Carr or Alex Smith. But like, I think that that's a big... It's asking a lot, but it is possible. People forget how bad Ben Roethlisberger was early in his career. Yeah, I mean, I could see the Steelers just sticking with this guy until he works. <laughs> I mean,
0: I think that Seattle Super Bowl, when he, he like had like 120 yards or something like that, like terrible game. Yeah. I think he threw a couple picks. Like, yeah. I mean, ben, Big Ben wasn't good early. He got better. And then they brought all the talent. And then they couldn't miss on wide receiver for 10 straight years.
1: Yeah. That didn't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> So the most the thing I was saying about the receivers earlier, I have know yards after catch guys. They got to get Calvin Austin more involved in this offense somehow. He didn't play at all on offense last year. This is a punt returner, and that is like who they need. Like that is the type of player they need in the offense they want to run. Yeah, but we can we can move along here. Kick it on over to the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns,
0: probably the biggest question mark out of all the all the teams in the division with Sean Watson having a full season. Nick Chubb, top five running back in the league. Top three, top two, top one, I don't know. Uh, definitely up there. Solid offensive line, not the best. But Donovan Peoples-Jones bringing in Elijah Moore from uh, New York. And then uh, Amari Cooper had an amazing year last year. David Njoku seems like he's... He's one of those like any day now guys that he's going to be the best tight end in the league if he can, if he just does
1: it, but still waiting on him to do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's like clearly a top like five fantasy tight end, but like that consistency hasn't met up with it yet. Right.
0: Yeah. But I mean, looking at this team from top to bottom, uh, decent secondary. Uh, Miles Garrett on the defensive line is one of the best defense players in the league. Uh, Z'Darrius Smith, still a beast. Um, they, I mean, they got they got dudes all over this field. Like you, It's it's like when you're sitting around with your buddies at a bar, and it's like, if you can name over five guys on offense and defense, it's got to be a good team, right? But <laughs> we so haven't seen it yet. We, we didn't see it with Baker. We didn't see it previous Baker years it's like they they've been building and building and building they were they they were so bad for so long and then everybody like put their finger on them like oh this is gonna be it this is gonna be it they got a little bit better they won that uh playoff game versus the sealers but i mean they haven't is, is it a cleveland thing
1: or what but like i mean they they build their team for the starting roster, and if you haven't caught on, if you've been listening or watching any of these, I'm really big on depth, and they do not have – they have some decent depth in the wide receiver room, I will say. I'm a little confused by the roster construction. I mean, maybe maybe it is on purpose for Deshaun Watson to get go up and get it guys, but, like, Cooper, Peoples-Jones, and Cedric Tillman feel like three of the same type of receiver to me. Adding Elijah Moore helps with that because he is definitely a different type of receiver. But then no. David Bell—I'm not sure David Bell can be on the field that often when you've already got three slower, bigger wide receivers out there. Because like you just need—you need more of a speed threat. I mean, I, you went and got Marquise Goodwin, which makes sense to get more of a speed threat. You have Anthony Schwartz on the roster who hasn't really worked out thus far. Um, but and behind Nick Chubb, this this running back room went from like where did they get all these guys to, like, where did they, all their guys go? Like, yeah. it's just Nick Chubb and Jerome Ford now, and that's it. Jerome Ford hasn't really done anything in this I was league.
0: always a big critic of them, like, why would you give the ball to anybody except Nick
1: Chubb? So, this, it might make the running back room better. Maybe. Maybe it does. Um, And then, they do have good depth at tight end with Njoku and Harrison Bryant and Jordan Atkins. They, they clearly want... To be a tight end-centric offense, like yeah. with that tight end. And their O line, I mean, Wills has been a guy in this league. He hasn't really lived up to the draft, uh, the draft no. status, but he hasn't been bad either. But the so kind of the rest of the line. offensive line is pretty good. It's good, but the depth again is just it's not well. I it's guess so. Fair. Thinking about the rookies though, Dewan Jones and Luke Whippler do give them better depth than I'm probably giving them credit for. I like
0: Dewan Jones a lot. Yeah, that, that gives
1: him. them more depth than, than, than I initially wanted, than I was initially thinking. Um, but their guard depth is rough. If they have a guard injury, they could be in for a rough time. Um, they, they got Colby Gossett is their first guy off the bench. Whipler can't play guard. I don't think Pochett can kick inside, kick over to guard. Um, Dewan Jones probably can't, isn't a guard. So they're just – James Hudson is probably your your backup guard at that point. And I just – James Hudson doesn't do a lot for me when, I, when I've seen what it, his numbers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, on the defense, their D-line, I like the depth. But their secondary depth literally terrifies me. They are an injury away from just being burnt toast. They got Greg Newsom, awesome start. Greg Newsom is an awesome football player. Shut down corner, right cover man. Denzel Ward, same thing. Had some injuries last year, but a shut down cornerback. So they got two shut down corners, and then they add in Martin Emerson, who is an ascending player. A very he put together some really good numbers last year and played really well for them. So that's three. They got three really good starting cornerbacks. Behind that, they got a rookie and nothing. I mean, I like Cam Mitchell. Out of, out of Northwestern this year, the rookie the rookie that they got in what I want to say like the fourth or fifth round, he's a fourth or fifth round pick, and that's all that that is literally your cornerback depth right now. Outside of that, no none of these get no no one else on the roster is proven to to be able to produce at the NFL level. You're muted, Jay.
0: Oh, uh, I was saying so you got to stay healthy.
1: Yeah, yeah, you got to stay very healthy, which is scary. For I mean, this cornerback room, no one played over eighty-three percent of the snaps last year, so I mean, that's that's what two games you're missing out of the season yeah. that where you just burnt, you might be burnt toast. I mean, their safety room isn't bad. Juan Thornhill, Grant Delpit, Rodney McLeod, that's that's some solid depth there, and more than a lot of teams can even say they have a safety. Room. But the corner room scares me; it really yeah. does on this team, and that's a, that's a position that can utterly tank your season if stuff.
0: Yeah, so looking at this, uh, looking at the the Vegas odds here, over-under 9.5, playoffs plus 150, one division at plus 425, AFC champ plus 2,200, Super Bowl at plus 4,000. If I'm taking something here, I'm taking the division because I think that's their ceiling. And at 4-1 to one odds, I'll take that because over-under, I mean, I... I wouldn't be surprised if every team in this division finishes between like seven and, and wins. So it's like I'm not I'm not putting a whole lot of
1: faith into that. It feels high risk to, to go over, and, over with any anyone in this division.
0: Yeah, and then playoffs. I mean, basically, it even odds uh, to make the playoffs. So just give me just give me the, of the division here <laughs> because I mean, this is a team if they stay healthy, they absolutely.
1: Yeah, I think this is this is one of the highest variance teams we've looked at so far in the in the what, three divisions we've looked at now. This is yeah. a team whose whose ceiling is really high and whose floor is probably pretty low. And it's like it can land literally anywhere in such a wide range of outcomes. Yeah, I, I think i know with you. Give me division.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if they only won six games, and I wouldn't be surprised if they went thirteen. But they're another team with a very early bye. They got a week six bye, which Melt week like yeah. five by brutal in a 17 game season,
1: yeah. That's and then come, that's rough,
0: and then having San Francisco come in right
1: after the bye, yeah. Brutal. I mean, so their schedule gets pretty easy down the stretch, uh,
0: relative to what, what teams were last year, yeah. I mean, Chicago ain't nothing to mess around with, Houston's gonna be frisky, Jets. Brought in Aaron Rodgers, then you finish the game with Cincy. That I think that's a pretty pretty tough five game stretch. Looking at twenty twenty three rosters,
1: yeah. I just after the bye, I mean they, they, got Indy, it, they got Indy, they got Indy, they got Seattle, who was a playoff oh, team yeah. last year and was good, but like they're a, they're they're not exactly like a no. Yeah, they have some winnable either. games. They have
0: some winnable games coming off the bye, but like down down the stretch, down the stretch, like Denver going to Denver. Playing in Denver is hard, regardless.
1: i would rather how do it late do. in the year than early. Though.
0: And then Rams, you're not too worried about that. But then Jacksonville, Chicago, Houston, Jets, Sensei. I like mean, that. Uh, but you got
1: Jacksonville in the dog pound.
0: Yeah, you don't have to go to Jacksonville. It's a big, I like the way so. this
1: schedule works out for their down direction. I do. Like, they need stuff to go right in their secondary health-wise. But, like, yeah. if, if it does... I really like the way this this schedule shakes out. Good luck chasing around Justin Fields in week 14. So actually, this is on the, on the Bears schedule like release podcast that we did. This is the game that scares me the most for the Bears all season. Like this defensive line scares me. It could be the deteriorating factor of uh, Bears season. We're not talking about Bears. We are not. One thing I do want to mention. Jim Schwartz and his D coordinator for the Browns. I mean, I think he's going to bring a degree of accountability to this defense. If those corners, again, if those corners stay healthy, I think this defense will be shooting on all cylinders with with him as D coordinator. He's a good, proven D coordinator very, in this very league. Good D and yeah, you want to want to move on to the uh, the bungles. So on paper, probably the best team in the division. We'll
0: start with the Vegas odds. We got over under 9.5. Playoffs minus 150. So, pretty good. Pretty good <laughs> team. Uh, winning the division at plus 240. AFC champs at plus 1100. Super Bowl champs at plus 2000. I don't... None of these bets jump out to me. Like, we, we'll get into the team here in a second, but, like, just, just looking at these, these odds, I would never make a bet on any of these, but if I had to, I would probably just take
1: division because you're getting yeah, two and a half two and We're not saying that we have to take every bet that we've said today. So, like, if we had to take one on this in a vacuum, yeah, win division. But, like, I don't think you're getting that good of value on anything here. And I don't love them as an AFC champ for Super Bowl this year. I really don't.
0: Okay, so when you look at the team, I think Joe Burrow is far and away the second best quarterback in the league. I think it's, I think it's Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow. If you're going tiers, I think I think Mahomes is top tier. Burrow is not top tier, but just a little bit below top tier. Then I think there's a pretty steep drop off. And I think everybody else falls well into whatever tier is under Joe Burrow. That's not quite Patrick Mahomes. I would though Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, all those guys in the tier below Joe Burrow. I, I think he's far and away this the second best quarterback in the league, along with one of the most stout wide receiver rooms in the entire league. Uh, I love the kid Chase Brown they drafted out of Illinois. Uh, Joe Mixon's been a stud for him for a long time. Their offensive line has gotten better uh, these last couple of years. I mean, it's not great, but when you have a guy like Joe Burrow that knows how to distribute the ball, get rid of it quick, it's not the biggest deal and they've always been able to run the ball. outside of their offensive line. You look at their defense side of the ball, I love Chenobia Wouzier. He's one of my favorite players whenever Dallas drafted him. I hated to see him leave, but he's one of those guys that's like, you, you don't pay a guy like that, but I'm glad to see him thriving after um, hitting the open market. Came to their brits, not bad. Um, and then you look at their defensive line, I mean, Hendrickson's an absolute stud. Like, I don't, I don't think, I think he might be the most like not I wouldn't say disrespected, but like the most look like from a from a media perspective, like the most forgotten about like impact player in the league. Like that dude is absolute game record.
1: Yeah, I mean he's it's a little one dimensional, but like if it's getting after the passer, that doesn't really matter. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um so with the roster, I mean I do have some questions in the running back room. Like, I like Chase Brown, but I don't think he was flawless as a prospect either. I have a lot of questions about his creativity as a runner. I well, think he's kind of tunnel vision. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, where you got him, it's fine. But, like, I don't know. Travion Williams is a big question mark at this point. Chris Evans, uh, I mean, he, he's a nice scat back, but he hasn't proven a lot in the league. And Joe Mixon is really all you got at running back, potential.
0: And if, is, does Joe Mixon have some stuff going on to where he might not play this year? The I don't know. I don't know whatever field?
1: happened. Uh, he he has off field stuff that popped up this offseason. I don't know what. What's I what's never heard anything there. about it though. Um, like, I heard it, it initially. Kind of disappeared pretty quick. Um, but so I, I do have some questions with the running back room, especially in a running offense that has not really been a standard in the NFL. Like it, they've been, they they've gotten by. It's rushing. Yeah. You know, they, they don't excel. Um, well, Joe
0: Mixon very quietly would have, like, 12, 1300 yards every year. And it's like, oh, the Bengals run the ball? Yeah. Yeah, I
1: mean, <laughs> he had 1,400 yards last year, 980 rushing. But, like, he only averaged 3.9 yards per carry rushing. Like, you know, it's like the efficiency yeah. running wasn't there. And they were, like, the number 13 success rate running the football, number 17 EPA per rush. Like, they were not – the standard, you know, it's not it, yeah. when your passing offense when, is this good, you should be probably yeah. be doing better than that as a rushing
0: offense. Maybe, but when their passing offense is that good, when you're running the ball, most people know you're running the ball because your yeah. passing offense is that good. Like,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Why I mean, would, and why would and you like want I to say, take the ball not, out of Joe? Like, you're not running the ball unless the defense knows you're running the ball because Joe Burrow is that good, Jamar Chase is that good, T. Higgins is that good, Tyler Boyd's that good. That most of the
1: time, when you're running the ball as a Bengals team, everybody knows you're running the ball. Yeah, my my point is, I don't know that they're an offense that says we need three yards. We're getting three yards on the. I don't know what they can confidently say. But if they
0: need three yards, you have Joe Burrow, T. against Tyler Boyd. And oh, you do, you do. <laughs>
1: but that's not my point.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I got you. I'm just
1: I'm just saying like. They don't, Ultimately, like, it's a passing lead.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And, and this is the best wide receiver room in the NFL. When you go three deep like this, it just it's layers of depth. Like even even though the guys they have behind those three are like Charlie Jones, who was a fourth round pick, and Andre Yoshivas out of Princeton, who was a sixth yeah. round pick, and I mean Trent Irwin, Trent Taylor, like. You have one injury, like Jamar Chase goes down, you still have T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Like, you yeah. know, it's not like you're jumping I mean, in uh, that guy Tyler, becomes your number. Tyler Boyd,
0: one. Tyler Boyd's a number two wide receiver on most games. T. Higgins mm-hmm. is number one wide receiver on most game.
1: And then you still have
0: Jamar Chase.
1: Yeah, it's just layers like, them caked into there. It's so disgusting. Like um, I, it if
0: you if you compare number two wide receivers in the league, is is how how big is the gap between T Higgins and the the Nets' number two wide receiver? Like, it's it's massive, amazing. in my opinion. Yeah, it's pretty damn. Like that dude, that that dude could be the number one wide receiver on. I'm, just off the top of my head, twenty three team.
1: Yeah, like like I think he's like, a top ten wide receiver. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what Chris Godwin maybe not even close He's the next best yeah he's probably yeah. Ne- one of the next best like i mean darnell mooney is yeah one of the better number twos in the league and he's still not like yeah my, michael gallup
0: there. kind of had a push for it for a little bit
1: well yeah. okay so you have city Lab and brandon cooks now so it's like yeah brandon cooks is probably up there but like still it's t higgins wait yeah
0: I, mean, I would <laughs> I, I would rather have t higgins and Whoever you consider it is number two. Devonta then.
1: Smith might be it. Devonta Smith's probably got the best case, I think.
0: Yeah, he's up there. But I mean, we're we're talking about four teams. Yeah. But even to have an argument.
1: Yeah. Like it's it's not close. He's the best one. Like Caden um, Allen, Mike Williams, like, but really? A tight end. I'm really since he's so weird with their tight ends, they just want to plug and play someone, and like, but CJ is almost so good for him,
0: like, in was he big though? time
1: moment He was, oh, he he was good in a few big time moments. His actual yeah, full okay. season numbers weren't that.
0: I, I I mean, I don't watch since the weekend in and week out, but I felt like he made a bunch of big time plays, like, yeah. Big time game, he so did. I was, I was curious about that departure, but it's Joe Burrow. I mean.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, special. like last year, they just plugged it. They, they plugged uh, Hayden Hurston, and he was fine. But what, what's kind of weird is, like, the guys that they've gotten in the past were more of a, like, they were blockers, right? They're yeah. capable blocking tight ends. Irv Smith is not that. Irv Smith is yeah. just not that. Irv Smith is, like, 230 pounds. <laughs> um, so, it's it'll be, it, I'm, I'm really used to see what they do. Because so Irv Smith has been a lot more hype in the league than he has actually been actual results. Like he had 185 yards last year and their backup Tanner Hudson had 130 and they got Devin Asiasi and Bruce Ample, who's been with the Bengals for like what, five years now. Um, But so there's not much proven production here, but when you got these three receivers plus Joe Mixon, who's right out of the backfield, I don't know if it really matters. I don't don't Um, know the
0: odds, but if if you're, if you're making me put a bet on the Sim and like I said, I'm taking the division. But outside of that, I might take Joe Burrow to win MVP. I think that that could make sense. I mean, he's probably a, a top three favorite, but I mean, I mean, they I, are going to be. I going probably past. like. The, they're going to attack I'm, I'm it this year. Yeah, they really are, and I mean, this is probably the last year with T. Higgins. Yeah. Uh, who Who knows how much longer Tyler Boys got there? So I mean, they're going to have to. They're going to have to replace some guys here pretty soon. Joe Mixon's on his last leg. Like this,
1: feels like the year. <laughs> where they have to get it done yeah i I mean their their offense is clearly geared to them like the orlando brown signing is it's a clear statement uh like casey needed a tackle casey went and got orlando since he needed a tackle they went and got orlando brown like i don't know where that leaves uh like there's some drama right now with Jonah Williams and like and what's gonna happen there? What's gonna happen at right tackle? Is Jonah gonna be playing right tackle? Is Collins gonna stay at right tackle? Is Collins gonna? Long be on Collins the team? isn't good. Hey, he played pretty well after the first like five weeks last year for them.
0: But I mean, he has he has conditioning issues. He yeah he doesn't stay healthy, and that's a good swing tackle. Yeah, no, he's he's an incredible backup. He's got a. Take care of his body, which
1: he definitely didn't do when he was in Dallas. And Jonah Williams isn't exactly a good offensive tackle in this league; like he's serviceable. And I don't know, maybe he'd be better better in a different scheme. But like he's had some issues, and last year wasn't his best season. Again, I think that they have three guys who can start at offensive tackle in this league on a T that that can be like top twenty starters at yeah. their position, and that's that's good depth. Yeah. Plus, Akeem can play there, like you don't want to be starting Akeem Adeniji, but you yeah. can't. <laughs> like so, there, there's a he's not like the bottom, bottom, bottom barrel that yeah. some teams have to start at points in the season. So they lost Master Bates, but they brought in
0: Battle out of Alabama. I like that a lot for that for that defensive back. Getting into the schedule here, what schedule maker was like? We're just gonna. Completely fuck the entire NFC North or AFC North. All of them have early buys. Like that's immeasurable. That kind of year, man. You got to play who you play, and looking at their schedule, I mean, I think it, I think it breaks pretty well for them. Um, Indy, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, and then I mean, you got to play Kansas City at some point. You got to go to Kansas City at some point. And that's inevitable. But that's a big, big, big time game, uh, Week 18 for them. And then uh, Cleveland week 19, like I always like ending the year on a division rival because odds are you're either in or out at that point. Every now and then it's like, oh, this is for it all. But when you're playing a division rival, I would I would prefer a division rival be the last week of the season because more times
1: than not, it's already decided. So I I think their schedule breaks pretty well. All in all, I'd say it's fair. I mean, they got it's a tough schedule. I mean, I guess early it's actually pretty not that bad. Early Tennessee, Arizona, Seattle right before the bye, but then it gets tough after the bye. I'd say
0: kind of tough. I mean, you got you got San Francisco after the bye, then Buffalo, but you know, I mean you got to play Baltimore twice anyway. You got to play Pittsburgh twice anyway, and then you get Jacksonville at Jacksonville late in the season. So it's yeah, like, I think that's tough. That's gonna be hot. But I mean, Indy, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Cleveland to finish up the schedule is like I don't. Know, I, I I feel like the, the, outside of the bye week, I feel like the schedule broke, broke pretty well.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can see it. I think I I think it's just a tougher schedule in general. But like, I yeah, I, I mean, but you play who you play. Yeah, yeah. Now, can I talk on that? Can I talk on their defense for a little bit? Absolutely. Their D-line, BJ Hill, DJ Reader, I think is one of the most underrated interior combos in the NFL. Those are two absolute Incredible. bosses up the middle who are just like BJ Hill is one of the more underrated <laughs> players in the league, I think. And DJ Reader is he's starting to get his credit. That's why I'm not saying he's one of the more underrated ones anymore, but like he's just a really good football player. And then and, they bring
0: in Miles Murphy.
1: Yeah, and then this pass rush, Sam Hubbard is a he's just a stout football player. Like He's not going to get the most insane sack numbers for you, but he's going to do his job against the run well, and he's going to get pressure. He's a, he's that base at, you know, he can do everything.
0: You mentioned earlier that you think the Steelers have the best defensive line in the league. This defensive line, I think they don't have the superstar of T.J. Watt, but top to bottom, I, I think they can make
1: every argument for the best defensive line in the league. Yeah, if they had a Cam Hayward plus a T, like, that's the thing. It's Cam Hayward and T.J. Watt, and then it's like they have depth on top. Well, they have a Sam
0: Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson.
1: Neither of those guys are Cam Hayward and T.J. Watt. I don't know. Miles Murphy, though. He's aesthetic. So, that's the big question mark here. What will Miles Murphy be? If Miles Murphy becomes that good, then you can, like, you can start having that argument. But, like, they need someone to become that good first. And, like, I, I think you could make a case for DJ Reader to be on Cam Hayward's level. I'm not going to buy it, but, like, I'll let you make the case. I'm not going to cut you off, but, like, until they have another person that I think can make the case, it's hard to say. And Miles Murphy might be that, but he's not there. Like, he needs to prove it.
0: But let's say Miles Murphy is really, really good, but not great. This is a
1: nasty, nasty, nasty D-line. Oh, it's, this is one of the top probably 10 in the league, if not 5. Like, yeah. I, 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 I won't disagree with that. Um, I wish they had a little more depth on the interior. Like, Zach Carter might be that guy who can provide really good depth. Played a good amount last year, but, like, it, he wasn't that successful in it either. So, like, I want to see more with him. I think he could be, like a differentiating factor there with whether they're top five to, to top ten their, their edge depth is really nice i do really like the edge. i really like
0: their draft too i mean miles murphy and dj turner the battle out of uh alabama um picking up a yeah receiver i, I felt like they i feel like they kind of killed the draft pretty well for where they were i mean i, I felt like they got value everywhere every pick they got dj value.
1: turner was good value at 60 i just I was not as high on DJ Turner as a lot of others. I thought there was a lot to iron out in his game. Athleticism's there. But there was I, – I just felt like I saw a decision in his game. They, they have pretty good depth of corner right now, so it's... They do. Jordan Battle, I just – I felt very, like – his tape just felt very vanilla to me. But that might just be an Alabama DB thing because you just – there's. A lot going on, and so it might feel like there's nothing going on when you're watching it. And you don't really know. DB is my worst position, like like yeah. safety especially. I can do corner some safety. I really struggle with. So I mean, I could. History says that Alabama safeties are Alabama safeties. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, um, I just felt very bland. But like, it was very bland watching his tape, which it could just be a. Charlie Jones, I liked out of Purdue for them. He could he could not be a Minka Uh Minka was pretty.
0: Good. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: don't know. It was just one of those away. I think Logan Wilson is one of the best linebackers in football. Um, uh, oh yeah, he is. He covers up so much for the, for that group. Like he he just covers so much ground so easily, so smoothly. He's always in the right spot. And Jermaine Pratt just put together a really good year for them last year too at corner. Eli Apple. No longer there. I'm sure everyone's very sad about that. I mean, honestly, he put together some really good games for them. It was just, it was just a roller coaster.
0: Yeah, the king of means.
1: Yeah, exactly. Mike Hilton's a solid player. Cam Taylor, Brett put together a nice rookie year, which like he can probably build on and uh, and become even better this year. Hopefully, become better than what Eli Apple was, but. DJ Turner, I, I imagine DJ Turner is going to find his way to snaps at some point, whether it be injuries or him just winning the job. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot's going to hinge on him because I saw I saw There were times where I just felt like he was making mistakes, and there were other times where it felt like his athleticism could do anything. So yeah. I don't know. The safety room terrifies me, utterly terrifies me. I mean, yeah. mass- massive age is sure. I mean, he was fine, but he wasn't like he wasn't a starter. He only twenty yeah, percent of the snaps. Yeah, he was good.
0: He was good filling in in the roles I needed to fill in on, but it's like you put him you put him out there every down, and it we tough.
1: Yeah, we, we'll see. I mean, but would you I have like Jamar Chase, Chase coming out, but... Tyler Boyd,
0: Joe Burrow, like. You got to lose somebody. Um,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, they lost both veteran starters in their back end, one of which was captain in Jesse Bates, and they lost Von Bell. Yeah. Beside Nick Scott, who's fine. I mean, he's not, yeah. I, I don't feel like he's up to the caliber either of the two guys that they they lost. There's a lot of weight on Daxton Hill's shoulders this year for this defense. He has to fill in some big shoes, and we'll I'll see like how the he last does. Year come
0: out of the draft. So.
1: so did I. So did I. Um, but we'll see. And it'll be interesting to see what they do with him as a nickel player too. Because I know he can play some nickel. I remember that from last year when he came yeah. out. Um and that, that can that can add some degrees of variability to this defense that can kind of kind of change it. And this is a defense that you gotta remember, they they want to beat, they want to beat you in coverage and they want to beat you passing the football on offense, right. Yeah. This this is the modern NFL team. They want to win passing. And they want to beat you by stopping you from passing like so those 2d linemen up front bj hill and dj reader are so important to that because it lets them play light in the box and lets them do some really interesting things with their coverages but you can only do interesting thing with your coverages when you've got you have bettering guys who know what they're doing so yeah. like that that's where it'll get really interesting on the back end for me is like will these guys be able to keep playing more like exotic style coverages, more get, getting more uh changing things up at the snap and confusing quarterbacks.
0: No, I agree. So now that we've gone through the entire division. Who's one of this
1: division? Ravens. Oh,
0: I just say like Joe Burrow is that
1: dude. Maybe I mean I think he is too. I just think this I think this defense is gonna have some hiccups. I think it's gonna gonna put the, them in some really tough spots. I think they make the playoffs and I think it's really close between the two The teams. thing about the
0: Bengals is their defense always shows up when they need to show up, historically. Not historically, the last five
1: years. It's like... How long have they had Jesse Bates and Von Bell? For a while. About five years. But <laughs> it's usually the
0: defensive line that were making the, the plays. It was the Trey Hendrickson of the the world. But, yeah, I, I like the Bengals to win this division. I would probably put my my second bet on the on the Browns off of
1: Pinchel. I'm taking Sincere Browns. Taking Ravens Bengals. I like it. I think the Ravens have stacked so much wide receiver depth that even if all these guys are disappointments, they'll still be better than they had last year. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Thank you all so much.
0: Don't sleep on the text. Don't do it.